Hello friends, I want to welcome you back to another episode of For Such a Time as This, and we will be continuing in our growth series, and today's message will be titled, Guides for Growth. I trust these messages have been a blessing. Our scripture reading will be taken from 2 Peter 2 verses 1 through 21. Again, our scripture reading will be taken from 2 Peter 2 verses 1 through 21. But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there were there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive destructive heresies and even deny the master who brought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lines to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness, where they are being held until the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world, except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of, of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was, a, who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of judgment. He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desires and who despise authority. These people are proud and arrogant, daring even to scoff at the supernatural beings without so much trembling. But the angels who are far greater in power and strength do not dare to bring from the Lord a charge of blasphemy against those supernatural beings. These false teachers are unthinking animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things they do not understand, and like animals, they will be destroyed. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in the broad daylight. They are disgrace and stain among you. They delight in deception even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. They commit adultery with their, with their eyes and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstoppable people into sin, and they're all well trained in greed. They live under God's curse 
They've wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balm, son of Barrow, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balm was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. These people are useless as dried up springs or as mists blown away by the wind. They're doomed to blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty foolish boasting, with an appeal to twisted sexual desires. They lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from the lifestyle of deception. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sins and corruption. For you are slave to whatever you control, whatever controls you. And when people escape from the darkness of the world by knowing our own Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then t get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they're worse off than before. It would be great. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness, than to know it and then reject the commandment. They were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit, and another say, a washed pig returns to the mud. This is the word of the Lord. In our previous study, we discussed the indication of infancy. We discussed that God's plan for the new believer's new birth, his birth, growth, and maturity. Thus, this process begins with a new birth. As we recall in our study, a Jewish rabbi named Nicodemus, a man who's faithful to his religious convictions, and following all the rituals of his forefathers, still felt an emptiness in his soul. So he came to Jesus, the giver of life, to inquire on the issues of eternal life. This faithful teacher of the law was shocked to hear that there was a great distinction between religion and the means of salvation. And he was traveling the broad road of religion but to get on the right road, the narrow path to eternal life, he had to be born again. This new birth is not a physical birth, but a spiritual birth, a transformation of the mind. We need to be mindful that these messages are not to non-believers, so Peter, Peter speaks to the Christian believers who have been transformed out of darkness into the marvelous light. And what it needs, what they need to do after conversion to continue the growth into the greater enlightenment of the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There are many moments that will transform many of our lives and one such moment if it is God's desire is the birth of a child. Birth of a child is both magical and mysterious. The great mysteries of life is followed by the equally great, great mystery, mysterious growth of the child. It seems like one moment they were in diapers, and 
a moment in time they're all grown up ready to take on adult responsibilities. The illustration of a growth in the physical life of a child is a clear demonstration of what physical, physical growth is, physical birth is, and growth is expected. There's much that science can explain, and there are other things that are out of the realm of the explanation of science. Just as science cannot explain inception, it's, it's out of the realm of science to explain growth. What is evident is that a baby with a strong appetite giving proper nutrients go through stages of transformation with scientists attributes to growth effect. What causes those cells to expand? That's beyond the realm of science. For babies, the mysteries of growth tells the story of physical life. As uh, physical growth is, expect is expected in the development of a child, it would be quite alarming if no noticeable physical growth was, was evident in the baby. This would be a cause for great alarm. It would be alarming because the expectation is that a baby is not to remain in the baby stage, but it is expected to grow. Physicians would be running hundreds of tests on this baby in an effort to understand the lack of growth, which is contrary to what is expected. It's inconceivable for us to contemplate the tragedy of not growing, of a baby not growing, as this individual will be, in the ultimate sense, unable to fulfill, to live a life of fulfillment. Essentially, from a physical standpoint, Maturity is the ultimate goal of life. So, just as there is an expectation of growth in the physical life, there is equally an expectancy, birth, growth, and maturity in the life of the Christian. As the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, 1-3, the, the new believer is a babe drinking milk. Just as in the physical realm to remain in the baby stage would indeed be tragic. As growth is the expectation, the Christian must hunger for the spiritual food, the Word of God. The Christian must not remain babies in Christ. As Wine Reesby says, just as the baby has a great appetite, so should we have a similar desire for God's Word. He further notes that, as we grow in the Lord, we, are, we, in, we include meat and bread in our spiritual diet. Our food must be an unaltered word, the unaltered word, not one mixed with human philosophies or doctrines. The ultimate growth, measure of growth is that once we have tasted the Lord's blessing, we will want to put away the old sins of the flesh, malice, deceit, hypocrisies, envies, and cultivate an appetite for God's truth. The issue of the Christian growth is so crucial that it reveals in many that it is revealed in many of our songs. Song like today to Jesus 
Every day I find my heart is closer drawn. He is fairer than the songs of men and fresher than the morn. He is all that we can say of him in the fairest worlds and more. And every day he's draw he's drawing he's drawn then he was the day before. The half cannot be fancied of such a treasure's store. And every day he's dearer than he ever was before. His glory broke upon us when we saw him in the church. There's all his riches here we've given upon our search. Tist here he satisfy her long spurs o'er and o'er. And every day he's dearer than he was the day before. And now he's a living spirit who within our own spirit dwells. And by his sweet anointing, how his life within us swells. And with the saints we're meeting, full released our own spirit soars. But now our Lord is dearer than he ever was before. The Lord has made us one with him for his recovery. The riches of this Christ, the church's fullness. Men must see, yes, all we have and all we are in every day outpour for his tremendous purpose ever dearer than before. We also hear the song, Every Day with Jesus is Sweeter Than the Day Before. This is all about growth in Christ. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, I love him more and more. Jesus saves and keeps me, and he's the one I'm waiting for. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Into the love of Jesus, deeper and deeper I go. Into the heart of Jesus, deeper and deeper I go. Seeking to know the reason why he should love me so. Why he should stoop to lift me up from the miry clay. Saving my soul, making me whole, though I had wandered away. Into the will of Jesus, deeper and deeper I go. Praying for grace to follow, seeking his way to know. Bowing in full surrender, low at his blessed feet. Binding him take, break me and make, till I'm molded complete. Into the cross of Jesus, deeper and deeper I go. Following through the garden, fancied the dreaded foe. Drinking the cup of sorrow, sobbing with broken heart. O oh, Savior, help. Dear Savior, help. Grace from my weakest, my weakness in part. Into the joy of Jesus, deeper and deeper I go. Rising with soul enraptured far from the world below. Joy in the place of sorrow, peace in the midst of pain. Jesus will give, Jesus will give. He will uphold and sustain. Into the love of Jesus, deeper and deeper I go. Praising the one who brought me out of my sin and woe. And through eternal ages, gratefully I shall sing. Oh, how he loved me. Oh, how he loved me. Jesus, 
my Lord and my King. Yes, those are the songs of our heritage. Those are the redeemed to grow in Christ. But there's guides for growth. See, when a plant farmer plants his crop, he must continue to tend the crop because if the crop is neglected, unwanted weeds may overrun the main crop. Similarly, when we have pledged allegiance, there is a new transformation in our lives. We must get rid of unwanted weeds. Transformation in our lives means that we must put away the old carnal self. But what must the new believer forsake to become a mature Christian? There are certain cherished relics of childhood that we tend to hold on to. For example, a little girl may have a favorite doll. A little boy may have his favorite blanket or bear. It's both natural and important for these to be put away in maturity. Paul, understanding the importance of Christian maturity, states in 1 Corinthians 3.11, When I was a child, I talked like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish thoughts. According to Paul, some childish things are envy, strife, and division. Paul had outlined in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, what was unbecoming of the mature Christian. Yet, during the Middle Ages, also known as the Dark Age, the church became corrupt primarily within the Catholic Church. Envy and strife permeated all aspects of the church. Since the inception of the church, the church had certainly grown in number but lacked spiritual maturity. The man is always in search of finding a void in his life, a lack of moral and ethical authority. Man would seek other means to find meaning and purpose. So not surprising man's search led him to belief in signs. The spirit came to be known as a scientific revolution. This belief in sign diminished the role of the church and man became more reliant on logic and reason. Scientific revolution took place in Europe towards the end of the Renaissance period and continued through the late 18th century, influencing the intellectual social movement known as the Enlightenment. Man had experienced so much success during the scientific revolution that the scientific scientists' use of reason and logic during this time period helped pave the way for the beginnings of democratic thought in Europe. With the success of science, man came to the conclusion that they no longer needed God. Logic and reason was all that man needed for enlightenment. But as the Apostle Peter have been demonstrating throughout our lessons that birth, growth, and maturity is a crucial part of the Christian life. The problem is illustrated in the period of the Enlightenment is that man abandoned the church and turned to self. When the Apostle speaks of Christian maturity in 1 Corinthians 13.11, as he states, When I was a child, I talked like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish thoughts. The Apostle Paul was saying that 
The Christian life is a demonstration of the transformation of individual of the individual's one's worldview. But the enlightenment, but in the the enlightenment, when men ushered God out of the universe, this is false enlightenment. What is clear from Peter's teaching in our guide to growth is that our Christian growth must be very strategic. The scientific revolution is a clear demonstration of what happens when men grow, but their growth is based on reason and logic that separates them from God. Man becomes debased in their thinking when fed with the message of relativism. The rippling effects of a relativistic message results in the deranged ethical and moral decline in our society. This ethical and moral decline cannot be divorced from the problems we are confronted with in our world today. Ethical and moral declines result in death in our city. When men do not believe in the absolute, they tend to behave with the worldview of the nihilist, that all of life is meaningless, and if life and if the life void of, life is void of meaning, then the notion of respect for authority and treating others with respect and dignity is nonsensical. However, for the Christian, because he is values man as was created in the image of God. His worldview and the growth must be contrary to the relativistic mindset of the secular man. Now that the Christian has gone through a transformation, as he resolves to stay committed to the gospel, he realizes that his growth will require some kind of feeding. And so the most important question that the new believer must ask is, on what must I feed if I am to become a mature Christian? As we have demonstrated earlier, if a child is to experience physical growth, it is imperative that they are fed the proper nutrients. This same principle is equally important in the spiritual life of a Christian for spiritual growth. Francis Schaeffer tells this story of Bishop James James Pike, a known agnostic. Pike, Pike tells the story that after his transformation from agnosticism, he attended a liberal seminary, eager for, ex, eager for and expecting bread. But when he graduated, all that, that it left him was a handful of pebbles. The apostle people, underst apostle people understood the danger, if a believer is not prep fed proper food for proper growth, they remain as mere babe drinking milk. One of the great tragedies of the church today is that so often the believer enters the Christian experience with a strong desire to grow in the grace and knowledge of, of Christ and instead leaves with a handful of pebbles. It is not so difficult to see why the Christian is unable to grow in the road and their road to maturity when the church is continually making compromises and accommodations with the spirit of the age. The church preaches a feel-good gospel while sermons are determined by majority consensus. 
shape and rest our minds with these profound questions. Have we evangelicals been on the front lines contending for the faith and confronting the moral breakdown over the last 40 to 60 years? Have we been aware that there's a battle going on, not just for heavenly battle, but a life and struggle over what will happen to men and women and children in both the light in this life and the next? You respond to these questions with great clarity. If the truth of the Christian faith is in fact truth, then it stands in the antithesis to the ideas of immorality of our age, and it must be practiced both in teaching and in practical action. Truth demands confrontation. It must be love and confrontation, but there must be confrontation nonetheless. Knowing that physical growth as well as spiritual growth is not an accident, but rather it is, and it, it must be carefully calculated and attended to. The question is, what are you feeding your mind, your heart, and your soul? Are you like newborn babes, longing for the pure milk of the word, so that you may grow in respect to salvation? Are you coming to the spiritual enlightenment that solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil? Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Do not work for food which perish, but for the food which endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. Yes, we are, we are affected by what we take in. How often we have seen vivid and ghastly images of human suffering, most notably malnutrition resulting from human failures such as economic policies and war. The image of malnutrition is the result of what one takes in the body or the failure of one not getting the proper nutrients. Because of our humanity the world is outraged at these images. And many organizations will seek to do something to alleviate the human suffering. The Christian, I believe, find themselves in a similar state, if not giving the proper spiritual diet. The Christian, too, can become malnourished unless they are on a steady diet of unaltered gospel. We're affected by what we take in. A man becomes what he thinks. A man becomes what he fed. It is often said that the children are our future. One thing we often overlook is that the future society is dependent upon what the kids have been taught, what they've been fed, the worldview they've been given. When a society indoctrinate our kids that there is no absolute, all is relative, they become beast-like. You see, if there are no absolute, and ethics and morals is nonsense. Ethics and morals become the consensus of the majority or the elite. 
when those majority becomes the minority, we have another shift in our ethics. It's a revolving door. There must be a basis for ethics and morals. And ethics and morals cannot come from the finite beings. It must come from the infinite. Therefore, as it pertains to our growth, the unaltered word must be become our daily bread. It must be the foundation for ethics and more, uh, more our morals. God change it not. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We come to believe in these truths and approach the scriptures with surety. Growth will be evident to all. Some things that are detrimental to our spiritual growth. Much of today's reading material will not help you to grow. A high percentages of today's televisions, programs, will not help you to grow. Today, profanity has become the norm. That will not help us to grow. Drinking is a sign of good life. That will not help you to grow. Well, there will be growth, I suppose, but growth that is contrary to the Christian growth, the growth that Peter speaks about, the growth that enables us to grow in the knowledge and of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the growth that will help us to fight on this battlefield, this invisible war, or that started in the cosmos and is now manifested on the earth. Battle rages on and tend to consume us. And so we need to guard ourselves about what we take into our, what we feed our minds. And so we can be on the right side of history. God God's words develop a spiritual growth. God's word develops spiritual growth. We see this in the life of Samuel. And the boy Samuel continues to grow in stature and favor with the Lord and with the people. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tasted the Lord is good, our fervent desires to have an, an eager longing like a hungry baby for the unaltered word of God. Yes, for growth to take place in our lives, we must cultivate a hunger for the Bible as babe hungers milk. We must follow. If I am to become a, a mature Christian, we must follow this path. Stay in the word. When someone asking the question, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time?
How do you grow in the knowledge and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? You visit the well, the word each day, and you take it one bite at a time. Person one says, prior is my daily food. And I ask you, is that your daily food? Are you daily feeding on the word of God so you can grow? Are you daily feeding on the word of God so you can tell the good news? Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and for you. Are you daily feeding on the word of God so you can recognize the schemes of the devil? Are you daily feeding on the word of God so you can become the person God calls you to be? Are you daily feeding on the word of God so when trials comes in your life, you'll recognize that this is just God's way of helping you to grow. Won't you feed on the word of God and so you can become what God calls you to be? Who must I follow if I am to become a mature Christian? Heroes are part of our every childhood. Yes, heroes are part of every childhood. Most of my boyhood heroes are, have been toppled. A young Christian may idolize the person who led him to Christ, a certain musician or evangelist. You may recall the situation in Corinth, the controversy about who, to whom should you follow. About Paul, Paulus, my brothers, some from Cleo's household. He says, There are quarrels among you. What I mean is this individuals among you are saying, I follow Paul. I follow Paulus. I follow Cephas. Or I follow Christ. Paul asked the question, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? The controversy might be no different today. And so I ask you, whom do you follow? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Man will always fail you. Christ will never fail you. Who do you follow? Follow Christ. Keep your eyes on Christ. And so I i leave with you with these questions. Are there remnants of spiritual infancy hanging on in your life?
How's your devotional life? Do you spend time in the Word? Are you still a baby drinking milk? Are you seeking to grow in the knowledge in Lord, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Each of us forced to ask, are forced to respond to these quest, these questions individually. And when we can individually answer these questions, collectively as a body, the church will grow. If our answer to these questions, yes, I am. And I say to you, let's get growing. Grow knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh God, when we came to you, we were babies drinking milk. But as the Apostle Paul reminds us, if we are to demonstrate growth in our lives, we must graduate to eating physical food. Peter, in his teaching, provided the guide that will result in our spiritual growth. We pray that you will help us to be intentional in our study of your word. So our transformation and growth will be evident to the world. We pray that you will help us to be new creatures in Christ. Becoming stalwarts in the invisible war. Life indeed is difficult. But with you, you'll make a way. There's no way. Help us, Lord. We are frail. We fall down, but help us never to stay down. Pick us back up. Strengthen our weak limbs so we can be strong and march on in this great procession. Be soldiers for the Christ, for the cross. Here I pray, we pray, we pray. Amen.